0: It can be frustrating, even overwhelming at times, watching all of the madness infecting the world today. I watched, appalled, as people waved crosses and pictures of Jesus while they stormed the U.S. Capitol and chanted death threats. The people who support that, who preach that it's the righteous Christian thing to do, are the false prophets. Don't listen to them. We're called to live our best lives by staying oriented towards Christ. If we do that, if we live the gospel every day through our words and our actions, the Spirit will give us a hand because Jesus has the power and authority to overcome all evil. Welcome to the Real Word podcast for the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, Let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle B. Our first reading is from Deuteronomy. It's chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Our second reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 32 through 35. And our Gospel reading is from Mark. It's chapter 1 verses 21 through 28. Now, just a couple things to note. Uh, first, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Deuteronomy is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while St. Paul's letter to the people of Corinth is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Now, tonight, we'll see that Moses says, you asked for it. St. Paul says, cancel the wedding. And Jesus says, zip it and get out. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses spoke to all the people, saying, The Lord your God will raise up raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb. On the day of the assembly, when you said, "Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die." The Lord said to me, "What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone." who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. Our second reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord." And our final reading is from the Gospel of Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So from our first reading from the book of Deuteronomy, Moses starts by basically telling the people, you asked for it and God has decided to grant it to you. So what did, what did they ask for? Well, it actually happened back in Exodus, it's chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. It was right after Moses gave the people the Ten Commandments. Those two verses in Exodus say, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. So in this reading from Deuteronomy, Moses is telling the people that, God will grant the request by raising up a prophet from among them, an Israelite who will speak on the Lord's behalf. Now, it's interesting that it starts with something that seems very positive, the the promise of a prophet to follow Moses. But then it quickly shifts to a darker, more threatening tone. In essence, Moses says that God is going to strike down any false prophets. And apparently, at the time, some Israelites were starting to pay attention to some of the, the pagan soothsayers, and this was a warning to them to not even listen to those who represent other gods. Now, in the world today, it's less likely that we'll stray from the faith and start you know, worshiping Zeus or Athena, or more likely that we'll we'll worship false idols, whether that's money, power, fame, or individuals who who seem to embody those things. One common false god or false idol that I see people worshiping more and more these days are ideologies. And maybe the most common example is capitalism. Far too many people speak of it as if it's sacred. It's something holy that was given to us straight from God. Um, Another example is that the U.S. Constitution It's a wonderful document, but a few years ago, I had a conversation with another member of the church we were attending at the time, and he was talking about the Constitution like it was the Bible. So I said, you're acting like the Constitution is some sacred religious text. And he looked at me very seriously and said, it is. The founding fathers who wrote the Constitution were clearly inspired by God. We need to stop messing with it and stop trying to change it. I mean, wow. In his mind, talking about amending the Constitution was like wanting to rewrite the Bible. Now This reading from Deuteronomy warns false prophets like that, people who presume to speak in God's name when God hasn't commanded it. But we can't overlook the fact that The reading is also looking towards Jesus. God continued to send prophets to the Israelites, prophets who spoke on the Lord's behalf. And that line of prophets was eventually fulfilled in Jesus. God became man, fully human and fully divine to speak his commands to us directly once again. And this reading also shows why the Israelites knew the Messiah would be a prophet, rising up from their own people. So the main message I got from this reading from Deuteronomy is that God speaks through prophets who point us towards Christ. We have to watch out for false prophets. There are so many people trying to lead us away from Christ and towards whatever beliefs or values they worship, we shouldn't fall for that. And it really shouldn't be hard to tell the false prophets from the real ones because God speaks through prophets, through the real prophets who point us towards Christ. All right. Our second reading was from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And this is one of those readings that I think you really need to examine it within the larger context of what was going on at the time. The Bible contains religious truth, God's truth. And although the humans who wrote the books of the Bible were inspired by God, they also brought their own perspectives, their own experiences and and all their, their own understandings to the work they were doing. And as I've discussed before, St. Paul expected Jesus to come back at any moment. He absolutely expected it to happen during his lifetime. So take his advice within that context. Was he saying that men and women shouldn't get married? Yes, actually, that's what he's implying here. Does that mean he thinks marriage is bad? Of course not. When you you look at all that St. Paul was saying, It revolves around the idea of staying focused on Christ. And one easy way to help you do that is to avoid changing your current situation. Because when you experience some dramatic change in your life circumstances, your focus shifts to those things. And it should, right? I mean, if you're newly married, you should focus on your marriage and put plenty of time and energy into getting your new life together, started off on the right foot. But if Jesus is coming back next week, you might as well hold off on the wedding and put your focus on being ready for Judgment Day. Now, St. Paul has long since slipped this mortal coil, and Christians are still waiting patiently for Christ to come again. And as we've read in the Gospels, We don't know the day or the hour that he will return. So let's look at why St. Paul wrote what he wrote. The first sentence in this short passage was, I would like you to be free from concern. And the last sentence comes back around to that when he writes, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in, in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Our challenge today is to live good lives, which can include being called to the sacrament of marriage, but to never lose our devotion to the Lord. If we're actively living the gospel through our words and actions, then all of our relationships and and everything else we do will point us towards Christ. So the main message that I got from our second reading is that living good lives means staying oriented towards Christ. Jesus told us to live in the world, but not be of the world. And it can be a difficult challenge, but we can absolutely do it as long as we remember that living good lives means staying oriented towards Christ. And finally, our gospel reading was from Mark. Now this story is one you might remember. It's where Jesus drives out an impure spirit. But I'm going to bet there's more here than just an exorcism. So first of all, let's pay attention to how this little story begins. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue and people are amazed. The scripture passage says he taught as one who had authority, as opposed to the teachers of the law now, one way to think about it about, about this this how they're how they're portraying jesus is to look at your own experience you you've probably known plenty of managers who had power because of their position on the org chart those are the teachers of the law in this reading then you've probably known people who were true leaders It didn't matter what the org chart said because people believed them, respected them, followed them, wanted to follow them. That's sort of how the people are describing Jesus in this reading. So the people recognize that he teaches with authority, but they clearly don't recognize him as as even a prophet, much less the Messiah. But who does recognize him? The evil spirit. The impure spirit who is possessing a man in the synagogue says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus shushes the impure spirit and then casts it out. It's the first visible miracle that Jesus performs in Mark's gospel, which is full of stories of Jesus forgiving, healing, and and teaching in the name of God. Now, the people are understandably amazed, and the stories of Jesus start to spread. For me, this story not only establishes the authority of Jesus, but also demonstrates that good will triumph over evil. The impure spirit shook the man violently, seemingly putting up a fight, but then we're told it it came out of him with a shriek. It didn't just go quietly, it fought to maintain its grasp on the man just like so many evil thoughts and ideas that possess people in the world today. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that Jesus has the power and authority to overcome evil. Just like the impure spirit, evil thoughts and ideas may seem to recognize the teachings of Christ and try to hold on even tighter to their victims that Jesus has the power and authority to overcome evil. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Deuteronomy, the main message I came away with was, God speaks through prophets who point us towards Christ. In our second reading from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the main message I got was, living good lives means staying oriented towards Christ. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, Jesus has the power and authority to overcome evil. It can be frustrating, even even overwhelming at times, watching all of the madness infecting the world today. I watched, appalled, as people waved crosses and pictures of Jesus while they stormed the U.S. Capitol and chanted death threats. But people who support that, who preach that it's the righteous Christian thing to do are false prophets. Don't listen to them. God will sort them out. We're called to live our best lives by staying oriented towards Christ. If we do that, if we live the gospel every day through our words and actions, the Spirit will give us a hand because Jesus has the power and authority to overcome evil. So let's take a step back take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become any clearer. In order to do this, I like to ask two questions. So what and now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care because life can feel overwhelming at times. And especially now, when we've spent almost a year facing a global pandemic, dealing with civil unrest at home and watching a divided government and country bring us to the brink of a constitutional crisis several times, we need to stay oriented towards Christ. Now, I'm choosing the word oriented for a specific reason. In my experience, when I suggest to people that they need to stay focused on Christ, that they should put Jesus first in their lives, they immediately offer up all the reasons why that's just not possible and certainly not practical. They have so many other things to worry about in their lives. They can't just set all of that stuff aside and spend their days preaching and praying. Okay. First of all, I get it. The money's not going to miraculously appear and the bills aren't going to pay themselves. The kids aren't going to get up and get ready on their own and the schoolwork isn't going to do itself. Simply living our lives and keeping things from devolving into total chaos takes virtually all of our focus and energy. I could try explaining that putting Christ first often means taking care of others and ensuring your family, friends, and coworkers have what they need to live and enjoy good lives. But instead, I like to share the concept of staying oriented towards Christ. So think about it. If Christ is the ultimate goal, living his commands as best we can and someday joining him in heaven for eternity, then that's our North Star. And just like any other big long-term goal, We need to find ways to keep working towards it while also ensuring that nothing else important gets forgotten along the way. Every single thing you do may not seem like it's absolutely necessary to achieve that long-term goal, but as long as we stay oriented towards Christ, as long as we're keeping that North Star in front of us, then we know we're headed in the right direction. And as I said, with all the craziness happening happening in the world today, it can be easy to get distracted and drawn off course. So at the very least, you need to stay oriented towards Christ. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Okay, so staying oriented towards Christ is one of those churchy things to say. It's fairly easy to understand conceptually, but how do you actually do it? That's always the tricky part, which is, of course, why I try to answer the question, now what? So here's what I'm thinking. When we're passionate about something, say a a hobby or, I don't know, even a sports team, it pops up in conversation quite a bit. We notice things related to our passion, whether it's news stories or something someone says, and we get reminded of our passion a lot. We'll hear or see something that might not even be related, but it'll trigger something, and we'll be reminded of this passion or this hobby. Unfortunately, we can achieve very similar results by making time to focus on something and learn about it, especially if we make time to come back to it once or twice a week to read or watch or somehow learn a little bit more about the topic, it'll be in our subconscious and those triggers will start to happen. Obviously, this works much better when you're honestly interested in the subject, so choose a subject that you're actually interested in and that orients you towards Christ. Then, just like you would with a hobby or your favorite sports team, talk about it with other people. You'll start spotting ways to bring it up in conversation more naturally, so don't let those opportunities pass you by. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Choose a social justice issue and share the church's teaching on it with others. And if you're worried about not being qualified to talk about the subject, then think about our gospel reading tonight. Much like Jesus, we can speak in a way that will get people to listen. We don't need institutional authority in order to share the teachings of the church with others. Just like you don't need to be a professional player or coach to speak knowledgeably about sports. With a social justice issue, you'll definitely have the moral high ground to learn to speak about that subject fairly well. And I think you'll find that most people will treat you as if you're speaking with authority. So take the real challenge, choose a social justice issue, and share the church's teaching on it with others. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. This is from Proverbs chapter 31, verse 9. And it's a good reminder that we're called to help those less fortunate. And it's another reason the real challenge this week was to choose a social justice issue to learn and talk about. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Faith is a journey with countless possible paths. Choose a path of social justice and I think you'll find that it's a lot easier to stay oriented towards Christ. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for Respect, Engage, Accept, and Lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, In 2011, by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.